Welcome back. Long time no see, Jeej. Hopefully all is well. How we doing? Doing good, Helzer. A little bit of layover. You know, we're in the dog days of summer, so things going on, life coming at you. So we've been good, though. I'm glad to get back on the, you know, get the saddle back on the horse, as they say. Yeah, you know, get the old chin strap strapped up. I mean, football's coming. There is no off season, but technically this would be the off season. We want to have a little fun and just kind of go over these basic uh football sports principles and get a little fun episode in here before we get to the nitty-gritty and the stats and all that so uh let's uh let's explain to the listeners uh, what we're going to go through today Jeej. uh yeah so uh kind of have this topic here that uh i've been you know kind of in the lab brewing um you know don't really have a name for it right now uh any any catchy name anyway but <laughs> uh today or this type of episode we're going to just kind of look at you know, pivotal moments, pivotal games in sports history. So, you know, I think we'll be able to co- cover a bevy of uh, of these moments here. But today's topic, uh, we're going to cover Super Bowl 25. Um, of course, a lot of people know Super Bowl 25 as Scott Norwood missing a field goal and sending the Bills into a four Super Bowl tailspin here. But um, <laughs> what I want to kind of look at it is uh, is a what if, you know, situation. What if Scott Norwood had hit that field goal, you know, what does the landscape of the NFL look like in the next five years or even the next 20 to 25 years? So, um, you know, we're going to take a look at the game itself, um, kind of look at some key moments within the game itself, because I really you don't don't think it's fair that all the blame gets lumped onto Scott Norwood. Um, so we'll take a look. It's at always the, game. the kicker, though, man. They're expected it, to make it. That's the whole thing. They, they are. They are. And I'll, I'll get into the kick <laughs> itself because uh, 1991 is a little bit of different time than uh, than today's kickers for sure. But before we hop into Super Bowl 25, Helzer, you know, off the uh, off the uh, recording here, you brought up an interesting topic that I think could lead us into this game here. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to talk about uh, first take a few minutes here to talk about some of our favorite teams or the best teams. Uh, that we've witnessed growing up here. Not necessarily that you've watched, because one of them uh, I was not alive to see. Uh, but some of your favorite teams, you know, growing up as a kid or even, you know, in recent memory. So, uh, Helzer, if you want to lead it off uh, with one of your favorite teams here that we could talk about, any sport, you know, on the table, feel free to lead us off here. Whew. All right, so if we're going to go any sport here, I don't know why, but, like, back in the day, I was a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, when they got T.O. McNabb, uh, they had Pinkston, they had Brian Westbrook, Brian Dawkins. That was like my Madden team, you know, growing up. It was heavy Eagles, and I was just a big fan of the way that they ran their team. And um, like I said, I was just a big fan of McNabb and all of them. And that would probably be the NFL team I had most when I was a kid where I would love to watch and just kind of thing. And I'll throw another wild card out there. As much as I hate to say it, but as a Lions fan, I loved watching Brett Favre and the Packers back in the day. Like, just all the players that they had, it, it, it just, it made you realize of how far away we actually were. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you can look at the Packers and just see what type of success that they've had and the, what, three quarterbacks they've had in the past 30 years, it seems like. And we have three quarterbacks in one season. And just the way that Favre played, I would say, like, the Packers and the Eagles back in those days were my both my favorite teams to watch. And like I said, they might not have been the best, but they're just the Madden teams that you kind of just stick with. And that was definitely my team was the Eagles. And they had a very balanced attack. So that would be mine for back when I was a kid day. So what about you for that one when you were like, say, adolescence, young teenager age? 
Yeah, I'll uh, I'll comment on that. Well, it's interesting you say that uh, Eagles team because I was thinking, <laughs> uh, you know, 2006. That's kind of right around there. That's uh, P- the height of the PS2 Madden days, and I, I would say for sure that Eagles team stands out to me. My my fandom and myself could never pick a, a division uh, rival, uh, any sport, any division rival as a favorite team. So um, we're actually going to uh, jump uh, to the uh, Frozen Pond. I, I think one of the favorite teams that I had growing up, or at least within recent memory here, is it's it's no doubt in my mind it's the 2001-2002 Detroit Red Wings. 100%. That, that team, I know it's uh, shocking it's a Detroit team, but hear me out. This team from top to bottom was probably the best team ever in NHL history. I mean, we're talking like two oh, or dude. three Hall of Famers on every line. I, this team was nasty. You don't even know hockey, dude, and you know that this is one of the best. This is the Yankees of the NHL is what they were. Oh, there's no question in my mind. And then you look <laughs> on the other side, you know, the other side of the rivalry in the Colorado Avalanche who pretty much did the same thing in assembling a super team in these, you know, this tie, this decade of hockey here right before um, the lockout when uh, the salary cap became a really big thing. Um, but, no, this this team, I mean, 116 points, President's Trophy, uh, you know, Stanley Cup tra- championship, faced some adversity in the playoffs, but were able to fight back. And eventually, I think the end of the Colorado Red Wing rivalry came at the end of that conference final when they beat the Avs 7-0 um, and went on and won the Cup. Uh, so, I mean, this team to me, the, it just stands out for how much star power they had on that team and uh, the, the legends that they were somehow able to bring in, bringing in Dominic Hasek, Luke Robitaille, Brett Hall. I mean, Hall just famers. some absolute Hall of Famers that are on this team. And I mean, top to bottom, they, legitimately, you could probably have two or three Hall of Famers on each line. Like, this team was deep. They were fun to watch. I mean, they were a cup favorite so obviously the pressure is there from day one but at the end of the day they delivered hands down one of the funnest my probably most favorite detroit teams to, uh, to watch growing up 100 percent. even i would say the 97 98 just based on two with mm-hmm. the um with the scenario that happened with constantine off um you know to yep. go through that and then come back the next year and win the cup um and have constantine off on the ice and wave uh you know like I was only five at the time, but I just, I remember watching those VHSs like we were talking about earlier, and I would just re-watch the, the playoffs of the VHS of the Red Wings for the 97 team and the 98, and it's a, it's a fairy tale ending. It's just, it, it's just a tragic thing that happened, but it's just, you embrace it, and it's just the first thing that Steve did was bring it to, to Konstantinov, and man, like, you want to talk about goosebumps, that walking around and all that, oh my god, like. I just think that that was one of the biggest moments for Detroit, and I think that's when people realize is that that's when we're ahead of Colorado, and that's why 2001-2002, especially, come on, Scotty Bowman's the coach, so of course, Mm 51-17 he was uh, for the 2000-2002 season. So you got a Hall of Fame coach, you got Steve Eiserman, and you got this roster just full of absolute talent where your third liners could be almost first liners on the other team in the Western Conference back in the day, which, let's be let's be honest, the, the, the Red Wings were in the Western Conference back in the day. A lot of people forget about that. So a lot mm-hmm. of heavy teams in the West there. So, yeah, that, I agree. I, the, the Red Wings for on the ice. Um, what, do you have one that's non-Red Wings that for on the ice? Because I'm sure you can guess who mine is, but um, 
Uh, do you have another team on the ice that was kind of just uh, fun to watch that wasn't uh, local? Um, I think um, it's it's probably a little bit later, a little bit after this. Um, love '90s hockey, just uh, the out the the, the breakneck uh, pace of uh, '90s hockey. Everybody's scoring 80 goals a year. Um, but it definitely, I, you know, when it comes to the OV, uh, Sydney rivalry, I was on the OV side of that coin. So I would say any one of those capitals teams, uh, you know, in the mid two thousands in the early 2010s, that was kind of the team that I, uh, that I flocked to. I remember, uh, you know, playing some of those video games like NHL 09, mm-hmm. NHL 2K6, NHL 2K7. And I'm, I'm picking the capitals because I love Alex Ovechkin. So the uh, non-Detroit hockey team, I'm definitely going with the Capitals. And, you know, finally seeing Ovechkin win a cup was very, uh, very uh, cool thing to see because I know uh, that that type of uh, <laughs> the type of arguments that were being made, you know, against Ovechkin that he, he you know, never Always won a cup yet. Crosby, so. man. And like I exactly. said, Detroit, I mean, like I said, I'm one of the biggest Detroit fans, but I still respect the shit out of Sidney Crosby just because I love his play style. I think he makes a lot of people better. Yeah, he, he back in the day was an instigator and he didn't fight. He didn't do anything. He let everybody, you know, do everything for him on his team. He started shit, but he grew up eventually. Um, but, I, I mean, the hate for Crosby in this town was unbelievable, especially in the 2008-2009 days when we talk about Maxime Talbot putting in two goals in a game seven. And it's like, dude, who the hell is Maxime Talbot here? <laughs> like, shouldn't Crosby be scoring these Game 7 goals? But, yeah, that, that Game 7 with the Wings and the Pens, I remember when Fleury, uh, he swooped over and saved. I forgot who it was at the time, but I know Lidstrom shot a, a clapper, and they had a wide-open net. I think I want to say it was Franzen or something, shot it, and he saved it, and it was game over in Game 7, and they ended up celebrating on their uh, our ice. Uh, that was a very, very tough moment for me because I – we hated the Penguins, obviously, and all of my hockey mm-hmm. buddies love the Penguins. But that right there was that just that's the last time I could say the the Wings were really competitive. <laughs> like, and that yeah. was back when I was graduated, and that was damn yeah, yeah. thirteen years ago. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, you hit all the hit all the points on the head. Uh, but um, I think uh, the next favorite team for me, anyways, kind of kind of lead us into our topic here. Um, one of the, one of my favorite teams and I never saw them play in real life. You know, I was born in 91. This team played in 1990. It's the 1990 Buffalo Bills. And right before we started recording this, we were kind of talking about this. Hauser. You mentioned how much firepower this team had, not only on <laughs> offense, but on defense. I mean, you look nine up and bowlers, down the bro. roster. The Can you <laughs> say that for any other team? Honestly, I, I, I honestly I, can't think of it right now. I think you would have to look it up uh, to get a, a good idea. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe sure. the Ravens like, in 2002 with the defense maybe, but I don't even think that does it. Yeah, because, I mean, they don't really have that many pe- people on offense. Maybe Shannon Sharp and Jamal Lewis get the nod. Um, I, I got to think that maybe the 49ers in the 80s, the Steelers in the 70s, maybe even the Cowboys in the 90s rival this, yeah. you know, this team. Um, but you know, it was a team that dominated the regular season, went 13 and three, um, and ended up outscoring their opponents by almost, uh, it feels like a million points in the playoffs. They put an absolute drubbing and <laughs> against the Raiders in the AFC cha- title game, 51 to three, like, and it gets to, it gets to our big topic here today of Super Bowl 25. But, um, I mean, growing up, 
you know, uh, having the Nintendo, I can remember having uh, that system two, three, four years old. Uh, the only football game that was worth a damn at that point was Tecmo Super Bowl. And uh, as good as the 1990 Bills were in that game, that game was all about the 49ers. So uh, they're a team that has a has a soft spot in my heart. I think it's because I can relate to Bills and, and the Bills fans. Being a Lions <laughs> fan, I, oh, I, I yeah. think we have some sort of, you know, relationship as far as you know, heartbreak. And obviously, I mean, you know, Lions have never been to a Super Bowl, let alone four straight. But anyways... It leads us here to our big topic, Super Bowl 25. So again, I kind of want to look at this as a what-if scenario. So first, I'll talk a little bit about the game, talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants, kind of how their seasons went, you know, what were the expectations of both teams. Uh, actually looking at football reference, they give us uh, what their odds were preseason to win a Super Bowl. So a little bit of interesting factoid if uh, – gambling was legal back in 1990 bovada um so <laughs> buffalo buffalo bills uh went 13 and 3 they were had the number one offense scoring 27 points a game 428 points in 16 uh regular season games that's a, that's outstanding um they were plus 1200 uh for super bowl preseason odds so not bad odds, I would imagine. I'll click the link here to kind of give us an idea of what the, the preseason odds look like for uh, teams there. I mean, uh, I think the heavy favorite going into the year, San Francisco plus 350. I mean, that's almost a fucking lock what? at that yeah. point. For yeah. Plus 350. Um, New York Giants, uh, they were no slouch either. Uh, they were a very dominant team as far as the defense, of course, everybody. Well, At least most NFL uh, aficionados know that Bill Belichick uh, was a, a young defensive coordinator for uh, a head coach team by uh, Bill Parcells. So, of course, defensively, uh, you know, they were very locked down. They were actually plus 800 uh, to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. So it looks like here they had uh, the third best odds going into the preseason there. So interesting uh little matchup that we had here because the bills ended up being plus seven or seven point favorites in the super bowl so uh this super bowl kind of stands out uh, obviously it's uh, the 25th super bowl so it's the silver anniversary for the for the nfl here but this is right in the middle of the gulf war too um so this super bowl is actually like the very first one that had heavy security um you know as far as uh you know Armed forces there, special guard, uh, just in case something did happen. Um, I, a 30 for 30 that I would highly recommend. Um, but a little bit about the game here. Um, you know, you have a heavyweight offense in the Buffalo Bills who led the league in scoring, a heavyweight defense in the New York Giants who also led the league in uh, defensive points allowed. Uh, 13 points a game, uh, that's first in the league. Uh, but they weren't no slouch on offense either. I mean, I would say they were probably middle of the road here, uh, scoring about 21 points per game. That's good for 15 out of the 28 teams at the time. Um, and certainly their road to the Super Bowl, they uh, they were focused on defense. They held the Bears to three points in the divisional round. They held the San Francisco 49ers, who were heavy, heavy favorites to win, uh, to 13 points. Uh, the New York Giants did not score a, a touchdown in that game. It was all field goals. 
And uh, if you haven't checked that game out, that game is also <laughs> a very good game. That 1990 uh, NFC Conference Championship game, it's a very, very solid game. If you love defensive battles, that's a game that you should check out. All right, but anyway, getting into the game itself. So uh, there was a lot of kind of back and forth uh, to start the game. Um, the Bills ended up getting uh, out to a 12-3 to lead. Uh, one of the biggest plays in this game uh, ends up coming right before halftime. Uh, the Giants are backed up to their own two-yard line, I believe. And uh, the, the Bills with the, the Hall of Famer, Bruce Smith, uh, he ends up sacking Jeff Hostetler in the end zone for a safety. But on the play itself, uh, Bruce Smith had a great opportunity to force a fumble strip sack here for the Bills to, uh, you know, get us touchdown on this play. Um, but Bruce Smith was able to grab the, the right arm of Jeff Hostetler, who, by the way, is a backup quarterback playing for Phil Sims because Phil Sims gets hurt. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we look <laughs> at the, the Giants side of things here. But um bruce smith uh ends up uh, not forcing the fumble jeff hostetler holds the ball only gets a safety so 12 to 3 going into halftime here that's one of the big plays but yeah so let's let's talk about before we get into the game we didn't really talk about the giants who actually won the super bowl uh but yeah phil sims is hurt um we're, we're talking jeff hostetler who's the backup quarterback so right away this super bowl reminds me of patriots eagles we're talking nick Foles. Mm-hmm. leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl is very similar for uh I believe that even the spreads were very similar for that game I do believe the Patriots were close to a touchdown favorite for that game um so a lot of talk uh, about the, the New pressure York Giants, man literally yeah <laughs> like, exactly 20 I mean, for 32 too he did and he had one touchdown no picks didn't turn the ball over you want to talk about living up to the pressure I think he did his job <laughs> It definitely did because uh, a lot of the uh, New York Giants offense was predicated on running the ball. Um, and you could see that they, they were a running team for sure. Uh, you know, Otis Anderson, who ends up winning the Super Bowl MVP. Um, and you can make the argument for Thurman Thomas in this football game, especially when you look at the numbers. Uh, Otis Anderson carried the rock 21 times for 102 yards and a touchdown. Um, so the the Giants were very predicated on running the ball. Obviously, the Bills with their K-Gun offense. Jim Kelly calling the plays, um, and that's pretty unprecedented for uh, an offense in the 1990 uh, and 90s era. You know, not a lot of oh, quarterbacks yeah. were given that leeway to call their own plays from the line of scrimmage. So, um, but yeah, going back into the game itself, uh, like I said, that play right before halftime really, really was uh, the key, uh, one of the key uh, moments there. Um, and as a result, Giants were able to get the ball back about three and a half minutes left uh, in the first half and uh, they were able to score cut the lead down to uh, 12 to 10 right before halftime there so I mean we're talking we're looking at you know a a five-point swing there for the Bills if they're able to get a touchdown in the end zone on that play Uh, but I think what a lot of people that were alive to see this game and uh, you know if you're a Giants fan for sure the the hallmark of this game is uh, the the Giants uh, game plan defensively. I mean, you're only bringing two down linemen on every play. You're basically telling the Bills, you know, good luck throwing the ball. You're going to you're going to beat us on the ground. And it, I, I give credit to Bill Belichick. Obviously, uh, his game plan, this game plan is enshrined in Hall of in Canton. Mm-hmm. It is in the Hall of Fame. So 
they basically, you know, bring two pass rushers. Everybody's dropping back in coverage. So you pretty much have nine people, uh, you know, four, uh, three or four linebackers, six DBs out on the field at all times. And you're you're telling them, you know, you're not going to throw the ball against us. If you're going to throw the ball, it's going to be throwing the ball short. Your receivers are going to get hammered. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Andre Reid didn't have a spectacular game in this uh, Super Bowl either. Uh, he only had eight catches for 62 yards on 12 targets. Uh, so there was a, a few drops there um, from Andre Reid and a lot of the other receivers, especially. Um, just because, you know, the Giants defensively, they were right there. I mean, you know, dropping back into that zone coverage, making uh, Jim Kelly make the right reads. And, you know, it worked for the most part. Jim Kelly threw for 212 yards, but he wasn't very efficient. He only threw 18 of 30 Give that me game. Give like numbers. It, it, it's very game manager like, but I think, you know, it, it, it there's nothing you could do though. Lines. Like you said, dude, yeah. there's nothing you could do. And by the time the bills recognize this, I, you know, I put a lot of blame on the coaching staff for not making adjustments at halftime. Um, you know, by the time the bills recognize this, it was too late because to open the third quarter, the giants go on a then super bowl record, nine minute, 29 second drive. So you're talking about, over half of the third quarter, the Giants have the ball on offense. And you're talking Super and Bowl, that's momentum, and that's... Exactly. Yes. And it just killed the entire Bills. You know, it, on the sidelines, you could just see they're just getting broken down little by little in this drive. And, you know, the Bills had gone two hours of real time counting the halftime show since they last touched the ball. So that is an insane amount of time to not 100%. be on the field. Put yourself and, as a player in that situation. Imagine playing for a drive for nine and a half minutes, no break. Like, the, first of all, mentally exhausted, one, but two, the physical exactly. as well. Yes. Mentally breaking. I mean, it's just you can't do anything to get a stop. Uh, and like you said, you've been off the field uh, for two hours if you're the offense. But for, on the defense, that 10 minutes is an eternity on the field. Especially when you never can't get a stop, like you can't get them off the it. field. Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely insane. That's damn near a whole quarter. <laughs> like... yeah, it's it's essentially the whole third quarter. Wow. Um, the big play in this drive ends up coming from Mark Ingram, who, of course, is the father of uh, running back, Ohio, Alabama legend, uh, Mark Ingram. His father actually played wide receiver for the Giants, and he makes a 14-yard catch where he broke five Bills tackles on third and 13 to get the first down. An absolute insane play if you guys have not seen it. I'm sure it's you can find the highlights on YouTube, but Grit. five broken tackles kept the drive alive, and then the Bills were able – or the Giants were able to punch it in on an Otis Anderson uh, rushing touchdown there. So we come to the fourth quarter. By this time, you know, it's, uh, I believe, yep, 17 to 12 here. Uh, the Bills on the very next possession after this nine and a half minute drive, they go four and out and they punt the ball back. So you talk about deflating. I mean, you're, you've been off the field for two hours and then you go four and out right away. Like right. probably the worst, absolutely the worst thing that could happen to an offense that's been, you know, sitting on the sidelines the whole second half. But at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, the Bills struck very quickly. I mean, they took the ball four plays, 63 yards. 
They scored on a 31-yard run from Thurman Thomas, and I think by this time they realized, you know, they could run the ball with what the Giants are doing. But, I mean, by this time it's the fourth quarter. You're down two scores. Um, well, you're down one score, but, you know, the Giants, they have been moving the ball on you all day. They've been eating the clock. I mean, they've been keeping that offense on the sideline. But the Bills were able to take uh, the lead 19-17. to uh, 19-17. So... The, uh, the Giants were able to get the ball back. Of course, they took another seven and a half minutes off the clock. Uh, they stopped them. The Bills were able to finally get a stop here on this drive and held the Giants to a field goal. So the Giants have a 20 to 19 lead uh, going into the final two minutes and 16 seconds here. So this is the Bills' final possession. Uh, Jim Kelly leads them down the field. Uh, a bunch of scrambles, short passes and runs by Thurman Thomas. Um, and of course, at this point, you're not going to be able to throw the ball deep. It's all short plays that yeah. plays right into the Giants hand. You know, you're chewing clock doing that. You know, you have to waste timeouts when you don't want to. So this 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 final drive is not the greatest or most efficient drive by the Bills here. And I think it, it's more or less uh, it could be on the coaching staff. It could be on Jim Kelly because he's calling the plays. Um, but it just took them too long to f finally figure out they could run the ball here on the Giants defense. So, of course, uh, the Bills were able to get down to, I believe, the Giants 37-yard line. So 47-yard kick from the right hash. It's on a grass field. Uh, it's not a gimme kick in the 1990 season, no matter what you think of this year, you know, Four, uh, in recent yarder. memory. 47-yarders. I wouldn't say it's a chip shot in today's game, but it's definitely one I'd of the. I'd say field like goals six, that, 68 percent around. I would, I would, I would say give or take somewhere in there. I would probably say NFL players uh, in today's game hit this kick probably 70 percent of the time. Yeah, I, for sure. So you're talking about Scott Norwood, who, of course, this is what a lot of people know him for. Um, you know, eight seconds left, Super Bowl on the line. Scott Norwood lines up for a 47-yard field goal. Uh, ABC actually flashed a graphic before he attempted to kick that he was actually one of five from 40-plus on grass fields. So this this is really not a gimme kick for Scott Norwood. This is, you know, a very difficult kick. He's only made one of five. And, of course, Poor guy, <laughs> kick goes up, goes wide right. Giants win the Super Bowl, and as a result, we have the very first Ace Ventura pet detective movie as a result. So, my theory is behind Fascinating this. breakdown, first of all. I felt like I was there, <laughs> so I appreciate that. But no, like, it's just Bills fans, man. You feel for them. They got so close. They got closer than we did, that's for sure. And hey, absolutely. Do you think that hurts away. worse, though? Do you think that hurts worse? Not getting there at all, there. or not getting there at all, or getting there and losing by that. So, <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way home from work today, <laughs> and I I compare it to love. Like, no, I, I, okay. as silly as this might be, uh, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to fall in love, and you're going to put everything in this relationship, and at some point, this relationship might end. But, and it's going to hurt like hell. 
And I'm sure this loss <laughs> for nobody, nobody felt worse than Scott Norwood. And I feel for the guy. I, I really feel do. for him. It hurt like hell. It hurts like hell when love does not work out. But I think you're better off going through that experience than never having loved at all. So in my opinion, <laughs> as much as it would fucking hurt to lose a Super Bowl like this and then proceed to lose three more in a row. Yeah, that, that's that. So that's where I'm at. It's like, okay, not only did that happen, but you literally lost three more. And it's like... You... As much as it hurts... I'd rather have gone to the Super Bowls and lost. I mean, I mean, I, I agree. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling that stat that you said right there. It's just they lost three more after. Like, teams don't usually lose three more. Your t- people win three more compared to lose three more. You lose yeah. three down. So they're like the LeBron of the NFL back in the day, pretty much. Essentially, I mean, Jordan, any of one of Jordan's opponents <laughs> that, yeah. you know, they're like the New York Knicks. They, they can never get there when they finally do. They didn't win. And so, yeah, I, I to me, it's better to have loved than to have not loved at all. I think I would have I would have loved to have been a Bills fan in this day. Oh, God, though, that, that fucking that, roster, dude, that Nine would hurt Pro so Bowl. bad. I still so, can't get over it. As as good as this team was, like I said, this kick ends up tailspinning the Bills into four Super Bowl losses in a row. And I wonder why they fucking break tables, dude. Be doing the same (laughs) things. They were not close. Uh, They they proceeded to get their ass handed to them in every one of those remaining Super Bowls by the Washington football team, and then two in a row from the Dallas Cowboys. I'm kind of rooting for the Bills now. I'm not gonna lie. If that's your plan with this was, I kind of like I said, definitely Lions first. But man, the Bills they need they needs they need it, dude. Especially so, now paying Josh Allen. Like now you don't have a rookie deal no more. Do you no. know what I mean? And maybe mm-hmm. if they did, if they did this year. D Hop's probably on that team already, right? If he has one more year in a rookie deal, I would probably say yes, just based on the Whoa, circumstances. Definitely. Definitely, they have the cap space, you mm-hmm. know, to go ahead and make that move. But the time is now, man. I agree, and my my the whole point of doing this was to talk about what if, what if <laughs> Scott Norwood makes this field goal? What 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 are we looking at in the next five years? And you know, maybe what what does the NFL look like? Because I mean, after this kick, obviously, there's a new I icon. Think, that's for sure. It's the I Bills. Th- I think there's a new big kid on the block. I absolutely agree. I think the Buffalo Bills, I mean, this was their best chance to win a Super Bowl. And, of course, we don't know what happens if they win. You know, what changes going into the next year's Super Bowl? And they go into a Super Bowl against a criminally underrated Washington team. I mean, you look at that 91 uh, Washington team, they they are they're loaded on offense. They're offensively and defensively. I think... They get lost in the shuffle because they're kind of right in that bridge era, um, kind of very similar to how you have Magic and Bird in the 80s in the NBA. Then out of nowhere, you kind of get two Detroit Piston titles in the middle of that from Jordan. So I think this that Washington team gets lost in that bridge from the 80s or the 80s 49ers, you know, bridging the gap into the early 90s Cowboys. So I don't know if they win that next Super Bowl. The, that Washington team is still very good, but I don't think that they get their ass handed to them. 
14 yeah, and 2, they, 485 points scored to 224 allowed. Yeah. For the season. An absolute absolute great team that just gets <laughs> lost in the shuffle just because, you know, they're kind of that that bridge to that next era, if you will. Well coached but, too. Joe Gibbs. Yes. Absolutely. And they're they're a great team. So I don't know if the Bills win this Super Bowl. If they find a way to win and go back to back, I mean, they've probably beaten two of the best defensive teams that they will probably see in their run. Right. Now free agent attractions come in, too. Now, you know what I mean? And now more risk take. Okay, let's go get three in a row. We'll throw a pick in there, you know, and then you go get a guy. So, yeah, dude, the butterfly effect, bro, the butterfly. I think what changes the most or what happens the most is – Instead of those Dallas Cowboys becoming, you know, the darling of the 90s, I do think that the Bills could beat that Cowboys team in one of those two Super Bowls. You probably get them in that first one. You know, I I think going into a third Super Bowl, knowing that you've lost two, the amount of pressure that is on everybody from top to bottom to win that game is immense. I don't know. If me personally, I would have been able to handle it as a starting quarterback. My heart would have been out of my chest. I just, it's insane. I, how much pressure was on them to, to win that game. And I mean, they end up losing 52 to 17. Like it was just an all time meltdown in a Super Bowl. I mean, you talk about Super Bowls like the Seattle Broncos Seahawks that recently just happened. Yeah. 43 to eight. Very similar to that. Just. Right from the get-go, there was no chance that they were winning that game. But if Scott Norwood makes that kick, I think the mindset of this whole franchise is, you know, it it's a 180. It, there's, they're totally confident going into that next Super Bowl. Even if they lose a close game and they get back a third time against the Cowboys team that's up and coming, I do think that the Bills still have, you know, this arrogance to them. That, you know, we've been here three times in a row. This team is a new team trying to step into our yard. I do think that the Bills find a way to win that game because the Bills didn't lose much. Um, When you go from year over year, they they kept that core together for that four-year run. Like you said, they had a couple, you know, names come and go that were uh, more essentially role players then. But in my opinion, I, I do think that the Buffalo Bills win three out of those four Super Bowls. I, I think they become the team of the 90s. Uh, they're, no, they're no longer the laughing stock of, you know, that uh, division. Uh, they're, they're a well-respected franchise. I You know, what could have happened if they win that first Super Bowl? Does Bill Belichick go on and become a head coach after that season? Because after that Super Bowl... He goes and leaves and takes a job at Cleveland, which yep. could be a whole nother what if scenario had the Cleveland not moved to Baltimore. But does uh, does Bill Belichick come back for, you know, another year or two, uh, even with that Super Bowl loss? In my opinion, I still think he leaves. I think uh, head coaches that are, you know, hot commodities that are ending up coaching a Super Bowl, they leave regardless if it's a win or loss. Um, so it, it's interesting to think about, you know, if, if Bill Belichick stays, what happens, you know, with his future? You know, it, he starts in Cleveland that that 91 season and doesn't really get anything going, you know, with the Jets bouncing around with the Jets and the Patriots there in the mid to late 90s. And then eventually lands with the Patriots and, you know, goes on to do what he does. 
But what if he doesn't go and become a head coach right away? What if he stays another year? You know, you never what know. are we looking at? Uh, what are we looking at? You know, as far as Bill Belichick, the legacy and even Bill Parcells is Bill Parcells a lock to be a Hall of Famer with only one Super Bowl win. I don't know. That's a that's a better point, I think, because that right there, like you said, it's hard to get it as a Hall of Famer with one Super Bowl win. It's possible. But for coaching, I mean, multiple's got to be up there, right? I and mean, we're talking Andy Reid, we're talking Bill Belichick. So it's like not even to be up there with those guys. I mean, that's a great point. It's tough. And for how great of a coach Bill Parcells was, I mean, you know, coming back and leading some of those, uh, you know, early to mid 2000 Cowboys teams, you know, they never won anything of, you know, they never really won anything of value, but they were still very competitive. But yeah. And what do we Bill care Parcells, about as fans the most? Ring championship. Exactly. Yes. You know, stats, like I said, Russell Westbrook stats are great. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to arguments made in the cubicles and all that, it's about championships. (laughs) Exactly. And then on the other side of that, on the back end of that, three, fourth, third, and fourth Super Bowl, what about the Cowboys? If they can only get, you know, one or two of those Super Bowls, are, you know, is Troy Aikman a lock for the Hall of Fame? I'm, you know, his numbers are very average. I don't know if he's a lock. Especially, and it's that cowboy that brand, frame, too. You know what I mean? Ex- exactly. And he won a lot of games. He won a lot of games. He played big in big games. Don't get me wrong. He was a good quarterback. But he's not one of those quarterbacks that, you know, was, you know, man, that was the guy throwing for 300, 400 yards a game, four touchdowns. You know, he had a lot of help around him. Let's just call it what it is. And, you know, that's not a knock on Troy. That's just what it is. But if he only ends up with one Super Bowl, is he a lock for the Hall of Fame? You know, same with Emmitt Smith. Same with Jimmy Johnson. You know, what if it's Marv Levy that I'm uh, that I'm uh, watching growing up on Fox on Sundays? And it's not, you know, Jimmy Johnson with the guys on Sunday. Who knows? So it's, it's very interesting to think about. But the last point that I'll make here um, before uh, we kind of wrap this up here, Helzer... Yep. Uh, <laughs> I actually got one that so, I was I wanted to share that literally ties right into this. So go ahead. Okay. All right. So obviously we know the Bills. They go on and lose the four Super Bowls. Haven't been back since. I mean they're very competitive now, but with social media and everything, we know that Bills Mafia is one of the best, best fan bases in the NFL. I mean loyal. I think they shovel their players' driveways. I mean, hey, come on, dude. They make sure they make sure they get to the game on time, damn it. Yes. But what if the Bills win this Super Bowl? Do we get Bills Mafia in today's NFL? Do we get that fan base? We might get if, it even if, more, though. That's the thing. You, you think it would be more? We might cuz they got like a little bit of like uh, you know, they got a little bit of um, firepower with them. Like, oh, this is what we did. So if they did, you know, think about it. It's like it's almost like Yankees fans, Patriots fans, all that. Like, they're just kind of spoiled. You know what I mean? So it's like they're just going to talk to talk. It won't be crazier, I guess, but it could be way more confident. And you could just see them do crazier things, possibly. I guess that's what I'm kind of looking at. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Because for me, it would be the complete opposite. I think if they win in this Super Bowl, even if they get one, I don't think... <laughs> All that turmoil that this fan base goes through and, you know, the four Super Bowl losses, the the miracle, uh, the you know, the Titans playoff game and 
you know, losing, having to lose the Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow year after year, I don't <laughs> think you get the same fire and passion. I don't. I, we just lost I, a Bills I, member just now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think that you get the Bills Mafia of today if this if the Bills win this Super Bowl. I, I just think it's a totally different franchise, a fan base, an outlook. If they I actually I do agree with that. I guess more of an arrogance. Bulls. It'd be more of an arrogance type of thing, like with the other fan bases, like you said, the Yankees and that type of thing. Uh, Cowboys fans. They are, yeah, you, I don't think they get to that level because I know Western New Yorkers. They are, you know, they're very proud of where they come from. Mm-hmm. They're very proud of the Bills. They hate, you know, hate everything that you know the Eastern New York stands for. They're 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 definitely the hardworking, you know, people of New York, but. I don't know if we get people going through tables in in the parking lot of Bills games if they win a Super Bowl. I just think it's not as passionate as it is today, having gone through all this turmoil, having gone through these four Super Bowl losses. So that would be an interesting thing, you know, kind of see how this alternate timeline would have played out. But, you know, know, just kind of what would have happened had that ball gone six feet to the left and, you know, split the uprights and the Bills win this Super Bowl. The big what if. You know, you might have started a new topic for us on a freaking monthly basis or something, dude. This is fantastic. It's kind of one <laughs> of those things that, you know, you're at a fork in the road here, I think. It's, you know, obviously the what happened. Is, dude, like you, know, you said, one, four, though, dude. Four Super Bowls. It's never been done. I think the Patriots, and I think it was very recent. I think it was 2016, 2017. They made three. They made three in a row. They won they one, right? I think they won two. I think they ended up beating um, the Rams in one of them. Then they lost to the Seahawks. Let me look this up here because I know the oh they beat the Falcons. That yep yep Brady yeah. They beat the Falcons and the Rams, and then they end up losing to the Eagles. Yeah, so the Patriots are the closest team to come you know to this uh, four in a row. No other team has done it. So let's see here. It That's was just a typical both. hurt, man. I mean, can you even think about that NBA reference? Like, I, I, I can't even think of an NBA reference. Maybe the New Jersey Nets getting to the Eastern Conference Finals all the time and like getting there with the Pistons, like for four, four years, pretty much there in a row or something. Yeah, I mean, even the Indiana Pacers, they were pretty good yeah. during that time frame too. So, and that's still not even comparable. No, and uh, it's not because. Like I said, the Patriots here, uh, Super Bowl 51, they end up beating the Falcons. 52, they lose the Eagles. 53, they beat the Rams. And then 54, they didn't make the Super Bowl. So they got the three in a row. There's plenty of teams that have made, you know, those runs. But nobody's ever made four in a row like the Bills had. And obviously nobody's lost four in a row. I don't either. think it'll ever so, happen again. I'll tell you that. I don't I don't either because yeah, we're in the we're in the heart of the salary cap era, free agents, I mean social media it's, era. <laughs> it, it's hard to get to one, let alone back to back and then three in a row and then four in a row. Like I I don't think it'll ever happen again either. And usually if you have a superstar quarterback too and you get the three or four in a row, you're gonna get at least one. I think so, and Jim Kelly was a very good quarterback. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, and and, and for whatever reason, the Bills would battle through the regular season, battle in the playoffs, and then absolutely just shit the bed in the Super Bowl. So let's have fun with this here. So my thing is, is you said it was coaching adjustment. Why not mm-hmm. power I and just, you know what? Hey, you want to really do that? Let's just 
control the clock and just power eye and just go to town. Like I know they might not have had the resources for that, but dude, you're gonna put two two down linemen. Like, dude, w- I mean, we're talking men on men here. Like, you know, five. I, I don't know. That's oh, crazy to me. Absolutely, and I think they did have the resources for it. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> you have Thurman Thomas, who in this era is a PPR monster. I'm talking. <laughs> He's he's like Bruce Hall, like Bruce Hall, not hurt. Oh man, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like yeah, if if, uh, you talk about a thirteen hundred yard rusher, and then I believe he was second in the team in receiving, so he had forty nine receptions. That was good for second on the team in receiving. And so yeah, I mean you have this superstar running back, and then you have Jamie Mueller, uh, the fullback who was an absolute goddamn moose. He was 6'1", 225. I mean, you do have the, I think you do have the personnel here for, for you know, the the running, you know, the smash mouth football. But yeah, I to me, my opinion, I think it's pride. I, and I think it's Jim Kelly calling the plays. We're going to win with what we got us to hear. You're and telling I, me Don Brown was out there, is what you're telling me. It was just fucking pride and not changing the scheme and watching Paris exactly. Campbell run the drag route for 80 on us. Exactly. It's sorry. It's pride. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it's pride. It's what it's what got us here. I, I'm pretty sure even Frank Reich addresses this in the 30 for 30, you know, talks about how, oh, why, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And he talks about, you know, that's that's what got us there. We were going to win or lose by the K-Gun or that running and gun. I respect no offense. I do respect I that. respect it, too, for how dumb it might be. Like, uh, we both kind of agree that it was dumb to to not just load the box and run on this defense Then that's begging you to run the ball when you have Thurman Thomas in the backfield. I just think by the time that they realized it, it was the fourth quarter, and it was It was a late. mind game, too, and they were losing. Exactly. They were losing the mind game, and it's just like they couldn't even think for themselves. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, them. Yep. God, that's so fascinating. And that's why his game plan is in the NFL Hall of Fame. That is that's fascinating. So the one I wanted to bring up it falls right into it, and I actually didn't really think about this one until a little bit. But is Drew Brees signing with the Dolphins? So I looked into this, and I didn't realize that based on this, with uh, Coach Nick Saban there too, this pretty much was the end of Saban in Miami too. So if Breeze mm-hmm. goes to Miami and Saban you know, make the playoffs or something like that, do we get the Alabama franchise that it's been? Maybe we probably still do, you know what I mean, with him going to LSU and all that too. But I like what happens to Nick Saban if Drew Brees stays there and ends up being a, a premier pro bowler? So I thought that that was absolutely fascinating because I forgot at this time, like I said, they've come off a 9-7 and seven season in this campaign, and they had Gus Farad as the quarterback. So, and think about it, your, your running backs are Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams. So it's like you're going to run the ball. All you need is to have a quarterback not going to turn the ball over. But if I told you that Drew Brees would have panned out and your doctors would have cleared him, and, you you know, what are we talking? We're talking Drew Brees and Tom Brady in the same division for, oh, my God. Like, I just thought that that was fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I mean that could be a de- definitely a new, a, a new topic, uh, and I think um, you know, kind of wrap this up and put a bow on it. I I've, I'm very comparison based here. The Super Bowl that I can compare this to that happened very recently after this, um, and it involves Bill Belichick. It's gonna be, I believe. Let's see here. Let me get my numbers correct. Super Bowl thirty six. 
And of course, Super Bowl 36 was Pat- Patriots Rams, and it was Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. You talk about a team that was high-powered offense in the Rams. They were 14-point favorites, and what happened? They lose on a field goal. But, you know, what if Vinatieri misses that field goal? There's there's no repercussions if he misses it, though. I mean, there is, clearly. They go to overtime, and the Rams could win the game yeah, there. Yeah, does he get a chance, though, to make that kick for them ever again and be the right. guy he is? No. And, the, and I, then, can, I can tell you right now, no. <laughs> And then are we looking at Tom Brady, you know, dynasty? Because I think the Patriots may have been ready to move on from him if they lose this game. Who knows? I don't know. But this... Well, what they did to my like, man Jonas Gray for missing a meeting and being you know, a standout. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm telling you right now, Vinatieri's getting Damn. cut. The day of. But it's like two sides of the spectrum here. You have the Bills who lose on a field goal. You have the Patriots who go on this dynastic run because they make a field goal. So Both could be another blue. game that we look at down the road. But I see this. I see these Super Bowls very similar, but just totally different outcomes because obviously the game's tied when Vinatieri kicks his field goal. They're not down one. Yeah. So, and where anyways, was that Super Bowl play? Was that was that in a dome? It was. It was. And that, that's a good point too. It was in the Superdome, and uh, Super Bowl twenty five was played at Tampa Stadium, which is no longer there. But that yep. was on natural grass. And one thing that I didn't mention that I did want to point out was that Scott Norwood had not made a fifty yard field goal up until this point. His longest career longest was forty nine, forty eight, forty nine, forty eight. And I mean, this this field goal was no gimme. So, dude, imagine put... being him though in that moment, though, dude. Like, you gotta feel for him. Like, this Definitely. is your life on the line. Like, you were gonna be the biggest hero, or you're gonna literally be the biggest piece of shit. And it wasn't his fault, but hey, I don't put the blame solely on him. I mean, the Bills knew what they had in Scott Norwood. He was more of an accuracy kicker, and you even look at his numbers; they're he's not very accurate, but Kickers back in the day compared to now, you know. Yeah, exactly. So Kickalicious would have been a fucking Pro Bowl back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, anything above 70% is probably going to get you a starting gig in the 90s. Yeah. So, you know, we can't really compare it today because I actually have a funny story that I'm sitting in the doghouse watching, you know, playoff games. This was, I believe, a couple years ago. I think it was 2021, 2022 even. But I'm watching at the bar. It would have been the 49ers Packers game. And the game before that, the day game, or you know, that would have been the three o'clock game, it was Cincinnati, Tennessee. And both kickers end up making longer field goals than Scott Norwood on grass to win the game. And I mean, it's just fascinating to see how much the game has changed because that kick that Robbie Gold made was longer than 47 yards, and it was in the goddamn snow too. Yeah. And I was just sitting there, you know, with my buzz at the bar, kind of watching the game, thinking about this. I'm like, huh, holy shit. Yeah. Like that kick was longer than 47 yards. I'm like that that kick was longer than Scott Nor was to win the Super Bowl, and it was in in Green Bay on frozen grass in the snow. I'm like. That's insane. Was it what technology? Is it training? Is it the yeah. you know equipment? It's 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 all, all it's the all above. the above, dude. All, all the, the above. above. Exactly. God. It's just crazy. But 
I feel for Scott Norwood. I feel for Buffalo Bills fans. I hope as a Lions fan it doesn't happen this year because the Lions actually do have a shot to make some noise. But I hope eventually that Buffalo gets their Super Bowl because, goddamn, they deserve one. They do. And they do. And I like Josh Allen. I think he'd be the perfect guy. for. He is the perfect guy for Buffalo. So I really do think that 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 would be the team if if uh, if uh i couldn't say the lions but i would definitely you just even change my opinion for sure but buffalo for sure i think would be the one i also i want to see joey joe burrow get one too i really like joe burrow and i think i think his time is coming like you know i think he he's gonna i think he's gonna get one before them all like alan herbert and all of them just based on what they got going right now and they got to use it with t higgins but yeah i don't know man I, that buffalo they need they need it bad for the city and everything Absolutely. Well, I think that puts a bow. That puts a wrap here. Uh, like I said, don't really have a name for this type of topic or this type of episode here. But, you know, essentially we're just looking kind of at a, a big game, big scenario, big moment, you know, and talking about what if, you know, what would that look like? So I appreciate Helzer letting me uh, give this one a spin here. It was a lot of Hell fun. Yeah, this absolutely. is. This is one of my favorite Super Bowls to talk about, one of my favorite Super Bowls to kind of think about. Of course, it's right in the heart of where I think the the NFL was the best. It was that late 80s, early 90s period, a Tecmo Super Bowl. So a yes. lot of, uh, lot of uh, good core memories here. But uh, if you've made it this far into the episode, uh, we appreciate you listening, uh, well, certainly. Yeah. Well, let's throw it back to though. What would be a team like nowadays in this era that maybe not three or four Super Bowls, but got to the Super Bowl and didn't quite get it, and then they fell apart, and then their team was a what it? Can you think of one on the top of your head right now? Oh, the first one that comes to mind to me uh, might be Seattle. I, I just feel like that team should have got more than one. Okay. I mean, we could definitely talk about Super Bowl 49 and, you know, that pivotal moment, that fork in the road of not giving the ball or giving the ball to Marshawn. That would be a but Yeah, that would be one. We'll save for a um, different day. That's a good one. Even the Carolina Panthers, I feel like they had something there with Cam that they really could never capitalize on. They had one magical one. run. Yep. Yep. I, I would say them. Yep. I think Carolina would be the one that I would say. That type, that Carolina team, I've never seen a more – dominating uh, most valuable player than I did that year I seen Cam Newton and it's just not it's not even the fact that what he did was just amazing it's the fact that the team like rallied around him and the fact that we seen a a dual threat quarterback at its peak where it was the best player in the league when really though you really didn't see him that much back in the day because it wasn't as known as it is now because the game didn't change so I would say yeah that would say Carolina for me them losing to Denver um, that would be the one that I think that got away, even though Denver absolutely. had an amazing defense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be one of the two picks for me. But anyways, I think we've got a lot of topics here. Uh, like we said, we're in the dog days of summer here until we start eventually talking about dynasty football and some uh, outlooks here for the season. So, again, if you made it this far, we appreciate you listening. Uh, to me, ramble about a Super Bowl that happened. Hashtag years Buffalo ago. Bill. We're gonna do all the Buffalo hashtags in this episode too, so that way all <laughs> the Bills fans can let them know we feel, we feel for hey, you. Absolutely. I, I, one of my Bills teams. Lions Super Bowl. Boom. Oh man, what, what a tailgate that would be! That would be absolutely insane. That man. yeah, Ford Field might have to get rid of the dome for that one. <laughs> wow, that that would be something else. 
Yeah. No, take it easy, guys. Appreciate you tuning in, and uh, see you next time. Obviously, everybody knows Norwide, Scott Norwood, with the field goal that missed. Where were you when the field goal missed? When it missed? Yeah. Shoot. They're halfway to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs>